Hey Warriors, welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. I hope you've been having a great week. Mine's been alright. Uh, we actually went for a house, and then three days later they said that someone else already put the application and the and deposit. And it was kind of frustrating because we had to put in $100 for the application. And, well, this closed. So now we're back to looking again. And we were kind of excited about this one. Um, we liked the location. We liked where, where we were going to be able to be in the area where we wanted to get to. So now we're back to looking to see if we can find something else that's more of what we need. And so far, it hasn't been very good uh, stuff that's been popping up. So we still need prayers for that. Otherwise, it's been pretty, just pretty much just waiting on the Lord and waiting on this opportunity, waiting for the, the door to open for our place. So uh, it's the only thing that's holding us back right now. And, you know, I, I know that he knows what we need and how things are just going to have to come together. Um, if anything, our, no, our last resort is to go for an apartment. Um, we just want the bigger space just in case, you know, the church pops within six months. We don't know what God's going to do. And I don't want to put us in a, in a situation where we are like, oh, well, we don't have the space and we can't afford renting a place right now. So for, for, for the church itself. Anyway, um, this week, you know, I've been kind of just hanging out with people online, playing games with uh, people. I don't know if any of you guys have tried Elden Ring. Um, I've been messing with that with a few of my friends and it's been pretty neat and a good experience. Um, but it's made me, you know, enjoy the friendships that I do have and looking forward to when we do move to actually have people that I can hang out with in real life because right now I don't. Um, but the main thing is this week, you know, I've been trying to think about what I wanted to talk about and it kind of came to my mind how... We as a culture, you know, not necessarily America, but humanity, uh, we have this mindset of fantasy dreams and expectations. A lot of times when we use the phrase expectations, we think of marriage, we think of relationships. And then when we think of dreams, we usually think about <clears throat> kind of like our hopes and our goals. And then usually when we think about fantasy, we, you know, there's two ways of looking at this. There's using your imagination, not not for the bad reasons, like for sexual stuff, but, you know, just kind of have this mindset of what we would like to see in life, I would say. Um, unfortunately, yes, sometimes fantasy leans over to being more sinful and, you know, it's more more stuff that we want to desire for for our flesh but i was thinking more of fantasy in the sense that it's kind of taking what we dream about but then we have like this it's really funny because all three words um this expectation of fantasy dreams that we have about life and I wanted to actually talk about a little bit more of the thought of relationship and expectations because I do have to say one of the main things when I talk to people who want to get married, I usually ask them, you know, do you have an expectation for your wife to be? Do you have an expectation for your husband to be? And they kind of look at me like a little bit confused because they don't understand what I mean. But expectations is usually, and it's not, and it's funny as it may sound, but sometimes men think when they're going to 
to get married to this woman that she's going to make breakfast every morning for him and maybe even bring it to bed you know in the morning and of course she's looking at him like what the heck do you mean because uh i wasn't planning to do that and he goes well you know and that and men don't ever say this well my mom used to do that she always made breakfast for me because that's an expectation and it's unrealistic and it's not not something that you should be expecting your wife to be she's not your mom for one two that's something you should be talking about because it could be the other way around the wife is expecting the husband to just do all this access stuff but they've never had discussions see the main thing is when we start talking about expectations a lot of times that lead into like finances so how are you guys going to do your banking? Are you going to do joint taxing? Or is she going to have a separate account from you? Or are you going to have a separate account from him? Like, they never ask these questions to each other because they never really think about it. And then there's even more expectations, like who takes care of the trash? Who takes care of the dishes? Who takes care of the finances? Who takes care of, you know, the kids when they're getting... I'm, I'm, no, they don't ask the questions to each other. So when our kid you know, is misbehaving, am I the one going to be taking care of the discipline or are we both going to, like, they, they need to have these type of discussions. Well, this also leads into the concept of fantasy and dreams too, because a lot of times, you know, all of us have had maybe dreams about our future and what we were hoping for and what we were expecting to get and even fantasies from that. And they didn't work out. You see, one of the main things about all of this is how do we bring this stuff in how we see Christ, how we see Jesus, how we see God? Because if we're, we're so easily able to do it with each other in special relationships like marriage or dating, do we create fantasy dreams and expectations with God? You know, I often go back to thinking about Israel. Like, Israel has so many good examples of expectations, fantasies, and even dreams. Now, we know if we go all the way back to the idea that they were once a slave with Egypt. And we understand that Moses was called by God to go and release his people from Pharaoh. And the first time we get to see these three concepts kind of meet is at the Red Sea. Moses gets everybody over there and they're, they're like, oh, how are we going to get across this water? And Moses is like, well, uh, you know, God will will provide. And they're like, oh, I know we're going to die. We look at Pharaoh's behind us. And he's like, guys, you know, focus on God. And that's where your mind should be. God, he, he has us. Oh, we're going to all die. See, the expectation was that being free from Egypt meant like no harm was going to come to them. That was kind of the expectation. In their minds, they pictured like an army of God, I guess, around about them that was just going to keep anybody from touching them. And so Moses is like, guys, God's got us. And, you know, he opens up the waters and everybody's able to pass through, but they were still freaking out because, you know, Pharaoh's army was right behind them. And so they get across and the waters come and destroy Pharaoh's army. And they're like, oh, praise God. And it's like, okay, no, that that's, uh, he's showing himself true. 
but they had this expectation and then the next time we see it is you know they're they're out in the wilderness right now and well if we were to go back to the spy story that's another expectation god told them hey go to canaan take over the land um i got you and then they like oh we'll send 12 spies oh the 12 spies come back two of them say it's okay the 10 of them say no it's not so we listen to the 10 and it's like guys god said just go do it trust him and they're like, ah, uh, no, because we start using our imagination. We start seeing all how powerful they are. And then we have an expectation because I wouldn't be surprised. It's like, well, this is not going to be easy and there's no way we're going to be able to do this. And they're way stronger than us. And they start creating this expectation in their head that suddenly now God's not strong enough to win this fight for them. And they sit there and they kind of just stare at each other with this idea that hey you know even though he told us he, he would do it and then we'd be fine we're still not going to do it so then you get over and they're like out in the middle of the wilderness and oh we're going to die we have no food and no water and moses is like god's gotcha and, i mean i could just sit there and i could see moses kind of like come on guys like how many times does god have to prove himself to you that he has your back he will provide he's going to take care of you yes it's not easy yes this is hard well you know when you guys make your decisions there's consequences for actions so we get to that story and then it's like later on down the road moses is like hey you know we need we need a law around here and so god calls him up to mount sinai and he goes against the ten commandments and what did what did the israel do well fantasy dreams and expectations start kicking in and moses hasn't been around in a bit they think he's dead, and the assumption is now, because of all the expectations they've created, that since he's dead, we got to create our own system of godhood. And it's like, think, I'm thinking to myself, so you only trust God because of Moses, or do you trust God because you believe in what he's already proven to you guys for, for the time being, and all of your ancestors have taught you and trained you? See, that's expectations of stuff that have been kind of faltered because their their faith, their belief in God is only as good as what they can see. And it's kind of interesting because that's how we are today a lot. A lot of us are like that. You know, because we don't see things of miraculously going on around us all the time if things are moving forward if things aren't happening we kind of create start creating expectations or having dreams and fantasies and when they fail god fails and, and this is kind of like what's kind of happening here so moses was the so-called icon for them for god and now that you know he hasn't been around and they just assume that he's dead they start creating a panic in their own community and they start kind of following like a, their own method and what did they do they all went and they collected all the gold and they created a giant golden calf and they started worshiping it and it's like hello guys what like is moses your god or was god your god because the the, the expectation was that since he's not coming back suddenly you know moses is dead therefore things just don't work out and it's like oh, guys come on so then we, you know, we kind of move forward and we get to this point. Israel is more established 
and suddenly they're looking around and they're like, you know what? I want to have a king like everybody else. And I could just see God going, oh my goodness, guys, come on, are you serious? Like, I, I've been taking care of you guys this whole time. I've given you all these judges. Um, yes, you guys keep rebelling against me. And yes, you guys keep choosing the world. But hey, I keep providing these judges that are teaching you and leading you. And then you start ignoring them and you start doing your own thing. And you start living in your fantasy world. You start dreaming in you, these dreams that I'm not giving to you. And then you create expectations. And so you guys start rebelling once again. And then they're like, we want a king. And he's like, okay, fine. Here's a king. This is what he's planning on doing. This is what he's going to do to your people. This is what he's going to do to your your men. This is what he's going to do to your women. This is what he's... And they're just like, yeah, that's okay. We want that. Why? Because they want some physical entity to be an example of what they want. Which becomes their expectations. Which becomes a fantasy. Which becomes dreams. You see, the main thing about all of this is that people lose sight of God in all of this. They forget that he is alive and powerful. You go to Hebrews 4 and you go all the way down to verse 12. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit between joint and marrow exposes our innermost thoughts and desires nothing in all creation is hidden from god everything is naked exposed before his eyes and he is the one whom we are accountable you see the one thing that i've i've learned throughout these years is that when we start chasing after what we want and we start creating expectations that we want. We start forgetting who God is. Because we start creating God into a more human-like feature. We start seeing God in how we want to see him. And doesn't that sound very familiar to kind of the progressiveness that's coming through into Christianity that we're starting to see more often? We're looking at scripture and saying, well, God says this, and there's literally Christians saying, yeah, but that is old, and today's culture, this is more acceptable, so therefore, we need to be more loving, so we're going to be more accepting. You see, it's it's the same image and expectation of Israel, and the many times over and over again that they rebel, and God has to save them again. They start taking their eyes off of the truth in God's word. You remember here in Hebrews 4, it says, For his word, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit. It exposes. Nothing is hidden. Everything is revealed. He is what keeps us accountable. So when we start focusing on ourselves and then things of this world, we basically put ourselves in a vulnerable position because when God's word comes through to, to knock those expectations out, to uh, kind of make those dreams not like, <laughs> I guess you can make those dreams not be true. 
you know, and, and the fantasy that we live in, when he starts taking that away and saying, hey, hello, I'm right here. You are creating something that I had no plan in you to have or to be created in our in our relationship at all. You're creating this world that it's not mine. And you're wondering why everything is falling apart, why everything is failing, why you keep rebelling, why you keep sinning, why you keep walking away, why, you know, you're questioning my word, why you're starting to question anything about your Christianity. And you're sitting there and you're like, well, yeah, because I want to be relevant. I want to fit in. I want to be liked. I want to be noticed. I want people to see how, you know, how great I could be. And so now the expectations is it's all about you. You've basically taken yourself and replaced yourself, well, more like, you replaced God with yourself. Because he's not fitting your expectations, your dreams, and your fantasies. Therefore, you push God out of the way and start putting yourself in it, and you start trying to make those things happen. And the one thing I can tell you is that I've learned throughout these years is when you try to make things happen, God will make sure to let you know it ain't going to happen correctly. Because when we chase after things of this world, it just leads to destruction. It's going to lead to sorrow. It's going to lead into disappointment. It's going to lead into no satisfaction. And suddenly your dreams just kind of scatter when you start allowing God to lead, when you completely surrender to him, you're going to start seeing God move in your life and direct in your life. And even though it may seem like everything that you're doing that you thought would be better, but God's not taking you in that direction, you'll be surprised how much better it is when you allow God to kind of cut through you like a sword and show you you need to get rid of this stuff out of your life so that I could do this in yours. I want you guys to think about that as we take a quick break and I'll see you in a moment. Hey guys, welcome back to the second half of the episode. And just like we've been kind of talking about is that expectations, dreams, and fantasies. When we start allowing those three things of our own expectations, dreams, and fantasies to start creating the image of what we think God should be, we start creating our own version of God. And I've seen this many times over, especially with people who start questioning things about scripture in a sense that it doesn't fit the culture. So they start comparing their life and, and their Christian life. Does it fit the culture or not? Because they don't want to be pinpointed or noticed or targeted by whether it's the woke culture, whether it's the cancel culture, whether it's those that are against God, liberals, whatever it may be, how they describe the opposite. They don't want the opposite to think less of them. They don't want to feel like they're not important. They don't want to feel that they have no way of, you know, creating some type of unison. But we've known in scripture many times 
that we can't serve two masters. You can't have both. You can't live in God and live in the world. It just doesn't work. And many times people are so frustrated because they don't want to feel so, I don't know, like away from God. And so instead of having, instead of having a good relationship with God, they, they, they're more concerned about having a good relationship with the world. And the second set of verses that came to mind was actually pretty cool, but it's in Hosea. If you ever read in Hosea, it's actually pretty sad ish, but it's always, it's talking about Israel mostly, but there's a verse or two verses that stood out to me in this section. It's, it's in Hosea seven. And though it's all about Israel and kind of pointing out all the problems, there's this one section really stood out to me. It says, what sorrows awaits those who have deserted me? Let, let them die, for they have rebelled against me. I wanted to redeem them, but they have told lies about me. They do not cry out to me with sincere hearts. Instead, they sit on their couches and wail. They cut themselves, begging foreign gods for grain and new wine, and they turn away from me. I'll even go a little bit further. It says, I trained them and made them strong, yet they plot evil against me. They look everywhere except to the most high. They are as useless as cooked bow, a crooked bow. So like a bow that's broken. Their leaders will be killed by their enemies because of their insolence towards me. Then the people of Egypt will laugh at them. Because the thing is, when we take our eyes and our sight off of God... And we start living in, the, in our fantasies, start living in these dreams, and start creating these expectations. We lose sight in what God is trying to do in our life. I've met some people who, you know, their parents have pushed them and pushed them and pushed them to get certain education. You need to get this type of job. You need to make this type of money. You need to be, you know, you need to get here. You need to get here. You need to get here. And that's the thing is my whole life has been a good example of how much you may want to see things happen the way that you like and nothing happens the way that you don't want it to happen. You know, I had expectations. I had, I guess you could say dreams or fantasies of how my life was going to turn into. In high school, one of my, my dreams and hopes was to be a PE teacher and coach, but I also wanted to play in the NFL. And I started heading, you know, I was really good at football, and I was starting to want to chase after that. But then at the end of all of it, when I, when I learned and discovered how important it was God had to be a part of my life, that expectation started kind of changing. So I kind of started... I guess the word would be compromising a little bit. So I went to Maranatha Baptist Bible College in Wisconsin, and I chased after what would be considered PE classes or becoming a PE teacher because I figured if anything, I could at least coach football even if I don't get to play it. And then after I did like a couple classes and that, I found that I did not like PE stuff. I thought it was actually kind of boring. So then I started switching over to thinking about you know getting to youth ministry but then things just kind of got messed up a little bit and i ended up just coming back home to colorado and i ended up doing uh architectural drafting 
So my expectation and thought process was, hey, you know, maybe I'll just design churches for people and I'll get to design these amazing churches and I'll get to maybe chase after becoming a licensed architect. Well, I started taking those classes and I really was not enjoying like 100% the idea of becoming an art architect, especially after meeting some and just... It just, it's almost like the Holy Spirit was saying, no, this is not exactly what I want you to do, but I am going to allow you to be able to do some of this drafting stuff because I think you need to learn and know it. So I did do that. And then I switched over to, uh, you know, about four years into it, I started sitting there staring at the screen, asking myself, is this it? And then I started trying to compromise again because God was calling me to try to get into ministry. But I said, you know, I'll just do psychology so that way I can still have a good secular job and basically minister. But instead, God was like, no, it's not really I want, but he let me go to school and I started doing psychology classes. And then he kind of used all of the experience to basically wake me up to get me realized to get into ministry. And eventually I got into my bachelor's degree into ministry. So the idea is though, I also had plans that in my life, you know, I would meet my wife in high school, which I did not until later. Um, I, I thought I was going to be married by the time I was 23. Didn't until I was about 28. Um, I was also expecting to have a house by age 26. I still don't have a house and I'm almost 40. So the thing is my journey has never been, exactly what I had expected or dreamt about or fantasized to be. But the key thing of what I learned through all this is when I put God first and I put him into the seat, front seat, driver's seat, and let him lead me where I needed to be, he still showed me amazing things during this time, even though it wasn't necessarily the path I was hoping to be on, he has a plan and he has a setup and as much as we try to resist and create expectations and limit God and start living in our fantasies and dreams, we start look, losing sight of God and it slows the process down because we want those things to be more real than what God could do for us. I want you to think about that just for a moment. A lot of times we chase after what we want so heavily that we rebel against what God really has for us. We start seeing into like, we start living in our sorrows. We start focusing in the, in these lies and we start tricking our hearts and our minds to start thinking about, well, God doesn't really care about me. God doesn't really have anything for me. God, God's just not doing anything that I wanted and things are just not working out. And you start, you start allowing bitterness and anger to start reigning in your heart. And even though he's training you and kind of molding you into what he needs you to be, you're so determined and so afraid that it's going to take you somewhere that you've never wanted to be. That you start trying to do everything opposite of what it, it could be that God's trying to get you to see or to do. And you lose sight because you start focusing on once again, you want, you know, you want to make the big bucks. Well, maybe God doesn't want you to make the big bucks. Well, I want to make the big bucks because I want to have all the money I could possibly have. Well, most people dream to have tons of money so they don't have to worry about anything. 
But maybe God doesn't want you to be in that type of position. He needs you to trust him 100% more. Well, I don't think he wants us, wants me to be poor. Well, no. I mean, there is. I think there's still choices and consequences, but you're still your choices are still going to create consequences. So even if you didn't want to be poor and you end up being poor, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you less. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have a bigger expectation for you. Ask him. I mean, the key thing that I, I've learned in all my years is when things don't make sense and things are just not coming together, you need to stop and ask. What are you doing? Please show me what you're trying to do. Please tr please get me to see you through all this issues, all, like wherever I'm at and and these struggles. Why am I struggling like this, Lord? What's going on? You know, it, there's ways to do that you and I can reach out to God to bring him into the story instead of us trying to kick him out of the story and trying to create our own. And a lot of times I've used in the past, it's like you have your book story of your life and God's writing in it, and he, he has all this stuff, his plans, and he's writing out. He, he knows the beginning, the middle, and end of your story. And he knows the high points, the low points. He knows, you know, the, the answers. He knows the results. He, he has everything already preset. And so we say, okay, Lord, you, you can write my story. But then you start, you're starting to not like this one part of the story because it's starting to get a little dark. It's starting to get to be not a good feeling you know pe people are really sick and you just pants that someone might die you start seeing this like it's starting to get darker for you like you that you're in this amazing job now suddenly you don't have one and things are starting to get really hard and you start trying to erase what god's doing and you're starting to try to write it the way you want and god's like hey, hey you know i have a plan just trust me and you're like no 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 i don't like this so you start trying to write everything that he's he's been trying to write and he and you start fighting over basically position who has control of your life and it even comes down to even the choices that we make for even a future wife and ladies you know a future husband you know we start thinking hey i want this in this type of relationship and you ask god can you can you pick the right one for me? So he starts taking you away from those fantasies and dreams and expectations of a woman and starts bringing this other woman in your life or, or guy, ladies. And you're just like, that's not what I asked for. And God says, well, you asked me to give you what I think is best for you. And you're like, but that's not what I asked for. And, 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 and God's like, yes, but you asked me what I thought would be best for you. And you say, you trust me. So trust me. So a lot of times we that's that's the best example that I see a lot of is the relationship between man and woman, the expectations that pop up. And so we see people fight over just that. And then then there's jobs. Yeah, but this job's going to pay me lots of money. I don't want to work for some low-end nonprofit. But you asked me to tell you what I wanted you to do. So I'm showing you. Yes, but Lord, this other job is going to pay me $100,000 a year. Why would I want to go somewhere that's only going to pay me fifty? Well, you asked me what you wanted me to see. Like the thing is, Israel was very similar. So they sought, sought out God. They chased after him. And then he's like, okay, I want you to do this. And they're like, oh, no, no, we don't want to do that. And God's like, well, well you, you said you trust me and you believe me and I'm your king. So why, why don't you want to do this? Well, it doesn't fit our expectations. It's not what we're exactly looking for. It's not what we are hoping for. 
And God's like, well, I know, but doesn't it's because I know what's best for you. You don't really know what's best for you. And it's kind of funny because the next biggest example that I could think of where Israel messed up again was when Jesus came. You see, back in that time frame, if you know the story, Rome basically controls most of the world, of the current world. And Rome was over Israel. And Israel and Rome did not get along. In fact, every time someone would be asked, hey, go, why don't you go govern Israel? They didn't want to. But they couldn't say no because the alternative would be death or anything or something worse. And every time these governors would come and go there, they would always kind of make the comment like, oh, yeah, don't want to be there. And they're like, oh, why? Because, you know, Israel keeps trying to start stuff, start issues. Like there's like basically terrorists and groups and organizations that would try to go against and rebel against Rome and they had to deal with it. And if they didn't do a good job dealing with it, then they got really big trouble with Rome. So, for example, Christ comes down. He is what God's plan is. Because remember, it's God's plan, but not Israel's expectations. Not Israel's dreams or fantasies. They started creating these own their own views because they were expecting Jesus to come as the Messiah, not as the savior of souls, but as savior of Israel, just like God has always done. He's brought a judge or, you know, the king or whatever it may be, a prophet, and they would say what they need to say, and then boom, Israel would be free, and they get their own land again. And that's what their expectation was, that God was going to provide them with Israel, as in the country again. And so when Jesus came and did what, did what he was doing and started his ministry, their expectations in their head was warrior guy that was supposed to come and fight against Rome, defeat them, and then we'd have our own country again. That's what the expectation that they had. But once again, they lived in this fantasy that they have established in their head and these dreams that they were expecting God to do when it was clearly stated in like Isaiah that talks about what the Messiah was going to come to do. But they blinded themselves from what is actually true with the expectations that they wanted to see. You see, this is what's all connected to how it is today in our Christian culture, especially. Instead of studying God's word, instead of spending time in prayer, instead of spending time in a good church that's teaching the gospel and the message of Christ, instead of being around men and women who teach you the truth and walk the walk and care about your well-being, we start chasing after these expectations, these fantasies, and these dreams of what we think God is supposed to be, what we think church is supposed to be, and what we're supposed to be. And because we don't spend time enough in God's word, or we don't ask the right questions, we don't basically sharpen iron, or iron sharpens iron concept, seeking out answers and, and, and talking with pastors and other religious leaders and maybe even people, someone who's godly in your life, spending time in prayer with them or talking about scripture itself or life itself because a lot of times it could just having a conversation with somebody could actually help you see God through your situation 
because their experience, their examples and what they've gone through and seeing how God moved in their life can be just as strong. But you got to remove expectations. Got to take away these fantasies and dreams that you've created about God, about Christianity and about yourself. You got to remove them out of the way. Because if you don't, you're going to start seeing yourself chase after worldly things and rebel. Because when things aren't working out the way you wanted it, you're going to start not believing that God is who he really is. Your faith is going to start to squander and fall apart. You're going to start seeing yourself starting to question scripture. You're going to start seeing yourself not wanting to really go to church anymore. You're going to start seeing yourself desiring things of this world more than, than God. You're going to start walking away from what he has asked you to be, to be doing to chase after other things. See, this is what happens when you chase after expectations, dreams, and fantasies that aren't of God, but of yourself. You'll fall like Israel has fallen many times over. And God will still be there with his hands wide open saying, you know, I'm here for you. But if you just surrender all of that, all the expectation, all your dreams and all your fantasies to him and allow him to lead you. And even if it does look scary, even though the next chapter may be a little dark, you know that he has you because he said and he has promised that he will be with us and he will take our burdens. He will encourage us. He will bring people into our life. He will not put us in any temptational situation, does not have a way to escape. God has made true to who he really is. We need to just say, okay, Lord, I trust you. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this time. I ask that you bless this conversation. I ask that you help us to start not allowing our expectations, our dreams, and our fantasies to get in the way with what is actually you. And, and that it doesn't get in the way to the point where we start trying to rewrite or recreate our story because we're more afraid what could possibly happen with you, but instead it makes things worse for us. So I ask the Lord to give us the courage to surrender everything that we have into your hands. I thank you, Lord, and I thank you for this podcast and what it's done even in my life, let alone those that do get to listen. And I ask that you just bless this one. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you guys have a great week and God bless. And I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.